Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast in the class is dedicated today in loving memory of Marilyn Falak Alea Shalom, Lilui Nishmat Mazal Bat Rachel, sponsored by her husband, Jack Cookie Falak. Please make the Be'achot and the words of Torah that we learned today should be Lilui Nishmata. As well, our uh, Kobru is dedicated, loving memory of Sami Sayed, Lilui Nishmat Shalom, Oben sponsored by his son, Isaac Sayed. Rabotai, we find a very interesting pasuk uh, that communicates to us a beautiful idea. The Torah tells us that, Abraham, that Yaakov gets to this place, and he takes from the stones of the place, and he takes from all the stones in this place, he wants to lie down, he takes from the, all the rocks, and he places them around his head. Rashi says, He made it like a horseshoe shape around his, uh, his head. He built up a little wall around his head. Right? And that was going to protect, that was going to protect him. And what was it going to protect him from? Rashi says, because Yaakov was worried about hayot ra'ot, about wild animals. All the mefarshim ask the same question. If he's worried about wild animals tearing him apart, why is he create, protecting his head? What, the animal can't come and take a bite out of his leg, out of his uh, torso? Right? The animal is going to attack whatever you leave open to it. So, number one, if you're, gonna, if you're not going to protect the rest of the body, right, why are you protecting the head? And if you're going to protect the head, why are you not protecting the rest of the body? Fascinating question, okay? Now, the answer to that question, Rabotai has uh, many different hashlachot, many different ways of understanding it. But I want to look at it together, maybe perhaps in a new way this year than we did last year. Last year we talked about it, a very powerful idea. That Yaakov Avinu understood that the most important thing, perhaps the only thing a person needs to concern themselves with, is having their head protected. The simple idea last year we talked about was this concept that a, a, a person's head needs to be, a person needs to be in the right frame of mind. And if the, they're in the right frame of mind, then everything goes correctly. You know, if a person is thinking happy thoughts, they're in a positive state of mind, they live a positive life. They don't think happy thoughts, they're in, a negative state. they're in a negative state, okay? And we talked a little bit about that. A second layer to this idea is the fact that Rabutai, although a person is, uh, is uh, uh, obligated, although a person is obligated, as Yaakov Avinu understood, to do everything that they can to protect themselves, that doesn't mean that that protection is going to be complete. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot. My wife and I keep talking about this. You know, every time they come out with another uh, answer, another uh, thing that we need to do for the coronavirus, you know, we always think it's so silly. Because on the one hand, you have this. On the other hand, you have this. So you're keeping the subways open and people are getting, you know, transmitting all over the place. You know, you're keeping, this is all. But they want to limit the shul to 25 people when there's thousands of people traveling on, on mass transit. When there's, you know, when, there's, when you're in the street. So, it, it's, you know, it seems like that the decrees that they're making, are, are, they actually don't help at all. You know, the masks that we're wearing, everybody's obligated to wear a mask today. Does that sound like a good idea? I mean, we know that the masks can't help for, uh, what's it called? For aerosolized droplets that we know a person could get coronavirus from. So what are we bothering for? You know what the answer is? It's still an obligation on a person 
to do what you can and to figure out how you're going to work. What do you mean you can't go to shul? You're going to work. You're in the office. The answer is a person says, it's essential for me to be at work. I have to make money to feed my family. In the Jewish mindset, as essential as it is to go to work, it's essential to go to the Beit Knesset. Because we know that the same way I need to provide for my family, and in order to do that, I have to go to work, we also understand that in order to do that, we have to come pray, okay? So what do we do? We do the best that we can. Now, that idea, we do the best that we can, even though it's not perfect, that's what Yaakov Avin was communicating here. There's some stones over here. I'll take some stones. I'll protect the, my, the most vulnerable place on the human body, around the neck, the head. Oh, what do I do? I don't have enough stones for everyone else. So I shouldn't do anything? So I shouldn't do anything? You hear that? Yaakov Avinu understands that if God wants him to be safe, he'll be safe. And if God doesn't want him to be safe, he won't be safe. But that doesn't absolve me from doing what I can to be able to take care of myself. Rabotai, what's the halakha? Is it an obligation on a person to have insurance? Let's go before Obamacare. Before anybody who doesn't have money could have walked into a hospital and, uh, and gotten care on Medicare or Medicaid. A person's not sick. I don't know if I'm, I'm not sick. Do I have to get, you know, do I have to get be covered? Do I have to be insured? Now we have an obligation to be mishtadel, right? That's our obligation. Does that mean, what do you mean? I will tell you, the insurance is not going to cover anything everywhere. It's not going to cover everything anyway. So what are you bothering for? That's true. But this I could do. This I could afford. I can't get the Rolls Royce policy. But I got the policy that will cover me. For, I did what I could. This idea of being okay doing that which we can, even if the job is not perfect. What a special lesson that is. You know, a person thinks to themselves, you know, I can't be the best husband, so you know, I'm not gonna try. Nothing's gonna make her happy anyway, unless I'm perfect. That's not your problem, that's her problem. Your problem is doing what you could do. I'm not gonna be the best father. You know what, I already, look how much time that I lost with them already. I'm not gonna be the best, okay. You can't, you're working very hard. You don't have the, get the two minutes, get the three minutes, get the five minutes. Make the phone call, try and do something. We learned this from Yaakov Avinu. And by the way, it's amazing that we learned it from him. Because while you have two brothers and Esav says, Yeshli, I have a lot. What does Yaakov say? Yeshli, call, I have everything. The person that looks at imperfection and says, I have everything, is a person that's always going to put in their effort into making this work. Rabutai. But I think on some level, what Yaakov was saying to us by protecting his head is more than that. Not just protecting the way he feels. Not just protecting the way he thinks from infiltration. There was once a time, like if you didn't go to the wrong part of town, you didn't see things that were not correct. Right? You didn't go back in the day. You didn't go to 42nd Street. So you didn't see people that weren't uh, were inappropriately dressed, you know. You stayed in your lane, you were fine. Today, the advertisements and the buses and everything comes to your face. Not only that, with one picture, you can visit every level of Gehenam if you want, right? With one click of the button, with one swipe of the finger, you could go wherever you want, right? So a person today, they don't need to leave their space, you know. They could sit in their space on their couch and do all the avonot in the world if they want, Rabotai, okay? So the question becomes, how do we protect our heads from infiltration? On one level, it's about 
the Tumah and the things that are inappropriate that are out there in the world. But on another level, Rabotai, even if we're not talking about the keeping of the eyes clean, which is a big nisayon in our generation, even if we're not talking about things that are inappropriate on that level, Rabotai, there's so many things that if we're not careful, we wind up doing or thinking because, uh, because we didn't notice that they lived in our head rent-free. Rabotai, I want to express what this means because I think that this is a very powerful idea. You know, most of us think that the things that we think are our own thoughts. But I read a great line once in a, in a uh, uh, line called Apirion Shilomo. He wrote something so special. He wrote, tell me what you think about any given subject and I'll tell you which newspaper you read it in. One more time, I'm just going to go over the line one more time. Tell me what you think about any given subject and I'll tell you, where you which newspaper you read it in. People like to believe that the ideas that they have are their own. They like to believe that their opinions about the president, about Joe Biden, about Republicans, about Democrats, about, you know, council, about the city council. We like to believe that actually, these are, but really what, what, it, what it is more than anything else is we are subscribing, and again, I use that word here, fully aware of the dual nature of it. You're subscribing to a certain mentality and you take and buy and consume that media all the time where they're hammering that person, okay? Let's say it's de Blasio, okay, none of us have any great uh, love or affin- uh, affection or affinity for the man, but at the same time, you know, if he did anything right and you were reading your newspapers, do you think you'd read about it? Do you think they'd point that out? If Trump does something right, do you think for one second that they're going to print that in any one, uh, any left-leaning uh, uh, newspaper or, or, or television station? They just don't, they don't talk about it. And if they do, they'll talk about the one element of it that it was negative. But by the way, the same thing is true about the opposite side of the coin. You know, if Biden did anything right and all you were reading was the Post, you know, Sleepy Joe couldn't do anything right, right? That's how it would be presented. You know, oh, look at what he did while he was asleep. You know what I mean? That's how they would, that's how they would report it, okay? So this concept that a person needs to protect their head is incredibly important. Let me explain why. Yaakov knows that he's on the way to visit the city. He's going to spend time with whom? With Lavan. What's Lavan's superpower? He's not a mighty uh, warrior like Esav. The danger from Lavan is not that Lavan's going to stab him and kill him in the middle of the night. What's the danger? Lavan is someone who is full of Lavan Ha'arami, right? The words Ha'arami is the same letters as the word Ramai. Fascinating, okay? Arami Oved Avi, Ramai Oved Avi. The element of destruction that gets visited on Yaakov Avinu is from the fact that he spends time with someone who's who's a conniving, a liar, a dishonest person. Okay, that's a danger to Yaakov Avinu. More than Esav is a danger. We don't read about Esav being Oved Avi, we read about Lavan being Oved Avi. Why? There's something so powerful here. We know as a Jewish people, there's no one that could wipe the Jewish people off the face of the earth. No one. We're given a haftacha, a, pr- a promise from God that we are indestructible. 
So who's the only people that could destroy the Jewish people? The Jewish people. That means that if we allow other people to let us stop being Jews, then we destroy ourselves. Yaakov's on his way to Lavan and he knows that the most important thing for him to protect is his head. So he builds this little wall around and as it says, he was worried about chayot ra'ot. Which chayot? That chayara. That wild animal, this person, that to him, emet, truth is optional. Okay? That's what he's worried about. Rabotai, I want to just share what this means in a real, in a practical, uh, in a practical terminology. And please, uh, uh, I hope this resonates with you as much as it resonated with me. Okay? They say the story about Rabbi Chaim Salavechik. Rabbi Chaim, he became the rabbi in a certain city. And his wife saw that he put and installed seven locks on the front door. At night, he's sitting there locking, locking, chains and locking and keys and this and that. She says to her husband, she says, I didn't know that the city that we're in now is so unsafe. You know, if it's so unsafe, why are we, why are we here? Now, I remember I was once offered a job in uh, Johannesburg in South Africa. And the guy was trying to convince me that it was safe. A friend of mine. So he says, what are you worried about? He says, you have around your house, you have an electrified fence. <laughs> an electric fence. He goes, and if the guy by chance gets into the electric fence, it's not a problem. He says, your pit bulls will get him. They have the dogs, the attack dogs. And if somehow he manages to get past the dogs, it's not a big deal. Everyone in our city, the downstairs of the house is locked off from the upstairs. So when you go to bed at night, you, have, you lock the downstairs so they can't, if they got it down, they can't get, and if the guy gets upstairs, so big deal, you have a shotgun. From the comfort that this guy, like they said, you know, uh, from, if you have, with nechamot like this, who needs uh, enemies, right? So you sit, the guy is giving you such comfort that look how safe it is, right? So his wife asked him, what are you out of your mind? You're bringing us to a city where you lock the door seven times? Yeah, you bring us here? It's so dangerous. Rav Chaim says, the reason why I installed the locks on the door is not because it's dangerous. It's not because someone's going to break in. It's not because someone's going to steal anything. It's not because someone's going to hurt us. He says, it's just that I noticed after we moved here that the people here don't treat Aniim, poor people. They don't treat the needy. They don't treat the people with any kavod. No one's happy to help. No one wants to be involved. He says, and I feel that that's a poison that we can't let into our house. So I installed all these locks so every night before I go to bed, I spend five minutes locking the front door to remember that what's outside should stay out of our home. And that that theory and that idea and that uh, way of life should not penetrate our way of life. Now what always bothered me about this story is if his wife asked him to leave because of the danger of some petty thieves that might steal the little that they had, why didn't she ask him to leave for that? If we're in such a city, we should leave. You know what the answer is? That's his job. <laughs> his job is to change the people. But until he changed the people by teaching them a better way, right, he still had to put the effort, he had to put that in his mind. Rabotai, Sometimes a person has to do business with someone that they don't want to do, be doing business with. Sometimes you have to go into a situation where you know you're going to get angry. Before you do so, 
Take some stones, and put them around your head. What does it mean, from the stones of the place? This always bothered me, Rabotai. The Torah is telling you that he took the stones. Where else did he take the stones from? He's lying down on the ground. What, he took the stones from Gibraltar? Like, you know what I mean? You know? <laughs> Obviously, wherever he's there, where is he going to take the stones from? The idea that I learned from it was very, very subtle, but very, very powerful. He understood that there's stones in this place. And again, I want to explain what I mean by that. You know, the Pasuk is telling us over here that he's protecting himself. Rev. Desla asks a piercing question. We know in Judaism, in Jewish theology, we believe that there's a hierarchy in the world of things. Okay? First you have domem, something which is an inanimate object. What do you have after that? Something which has life? Tzomeach, plant. But it has no soul. Okay? It's not, it can't move, it can't, right? What do you have above Tzomeach? Hai, something which is alive. And what do you have above alive, all living animals? Middaber, somebody that speaks. Okay, a human being. According to the Kuzari as well, there's another level, Israel, where a person who chooses to monitor his speech effectively. Okay? However, Esther of Desler, I don't understand. Our rabbis teach us that when he put me'avneha makom from the stones of the place around his head, and then it says, ev, and he took the stone. So first it was the stones, plural, then it was the stone. And the Rashi quotes the Gemara that the, the stones were fighting amongst themselves. On me the Sadiq should put his head. On me the Sadiq should put his head. Until HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that their Ratzon was to service Kedusha, what did God do? He made them into one rock so everyone had the Zichut of having the Sadiq's head resting upon them. Ask Rav Dessler, if the Domem, if the inanimate objects were fighting to serve Yaakov Avinu, two stages above that are Haya, as something are animals. Why was he worried that the chayara was going to rip him apart, right? If he wasn't worried about it, if the domem is fighting to serve him. There are two levels above that of domem. What a fascinating question. Never thought of this question before I saw it from Rav Dessler. And Rav Dessler said something unbelievable. He says, you know what the answer is? He says, like, the, like we say in halakha, puk chazi Go look. A lot of times you have... In the Beit Knesset, you have a rabbi. And the people who are simple, the people who don't know anything, right? The people whose head is like a rock, okay? They have all the kavod for the rabbi. Wow, kvodarav, kvodarav, kissing his hand, doing everything, proper kavod. Then you have people, shomre Torah mitzvot. They keep Torah, they pray, they know, they went to yeshiva. And those people are the ones that aren't showing the proper respect to the rabbi. How could it be? He answers the same idea. You have a domem, someone that never learned, maybe, you know, and then you have a chaya, someone which is uh, 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 alive. What's the difference? The difference is that the domem, that person who doesn't know, they know that they don't know, and they know that the rabbi knows, so they have kavod for what the rabbi knows. What makes this guy who spent five minutes in yeshiva think that he could uh, say and talk bad about the rabbi and, and argue? What makes him think? It's the thought that I actually know as much as him or probably more. So which thought? It's the Torah that he has in him actually. 
It's the advantage. It's the level that he has up that makes him think that he's allowed to disrespect the, the posek or the rabbi or whatever. Eh, what does he know? It's fascinating. This idea is, illustri- is illustrated as well in the domem and the chai. The fact that the chai has some sort of level. He thinks, you know, look beneath me, there's the tzomeach. Beneath me is the domem. I'm a somebody. It's only the chai that could attack the sadiq yisod olam of Yaakov Avinu. Rabotai, the thoughts that we have, they are absolutely our sails. They take us everywhere we need to go in our life. Make sure that you're protecting your thought process. That the thoughts that are in your head are your own thoughts. You know, as the generation becomes more and more lax, and we allow this, and we allow that, and everyone can marry whoever they want, and they can do whatever they want, and everyone is considered, you're allowed to identify however you like. If you want to be a chair, I have to call you a chair. Like, that's the generation we're in. And as time goes on, and you hear these ideas repeated again and again and again and again and again, eventually, what happens is they worm their way into a person's brain, and then the person thinks, yeah, I agree. Meanwhile, you don't agree, you just, your brain got tired of fighting. When someone tells you you're worthless, again and again and again and again, eventually, what does your brain tell you? You're worthless. You have to take avneha makom. You're in a place, what are the avan? Evan is something which is very tough, which is very hard. You want to be able to not be swayed by other people's opinions. You want to be able to read a newspaper article and not be dictated to and not be uh, someone that's sold on everything they say. Take me avneha makom. What do we call them? We call them cold, hard facts. You surround your head me avneha makom with the immutable, the unchangeable, the clear elements. You heard a story, don't read the guy's piece on the story, the bias on the story, the interpretation of the story. What did he say? What did he do? What are the facts on the ground? Let me make up my own mind. Yaakov Avinu prevents himself from being swayed, from being ish emet, by only surrounding his head with avneha makom with the hard facts, so to speak, the immutable, unchangeable things of that place. And he understood that wherever he went, that was going to be something that he would need to do. He gets to the city of Lavan, and Lavan's trying to lie left, right, and center. So what does he do? He says, listen, this is what I know. I want your daughter. I want Rachel. I want her to be the younger one. Because each thing I know, if I don't specify it as clearly and as strongly as possible, then there's going to be some manipulation. As soon as it's not clear, it's already bendable. I said I want Rachel. What do you do? You make a name change at the Sefer Torah. You call your daughter Leah Rachel. You call your daughter Rachel Leah. And now you fulfilled the contract. You understand? Rabotai, there used to be in Israel, they didn't like to let Sfaradim come to the yeshivot. The Ashkenazim, unfortunately, back in the day, they didn't like to have the Sephardic kids come to the yeshiva. So they would put on the thing, you know, what's your name? What's your name? It would say at the top. What's a family name? And if your family name wasn't, uh, it didn't end in its or ski, then they knew that you're not from, uh, you're not from there. So I, and then in, Baruch Hashem, now it's much better. But this is how it was back in the day. There were literally yeshivot that had quotas of how many Sephardim they would accept. Okay, it's a stain, unfortunately. He's smiling, he knows. So what did they do? So people, Sefaradim, got smart. They changed their name. 
Farhi became Farchowitz. <laughs> right? Farchowski. Right? For easy. So the schools caught on. So what did they do? They put, what's your name? And then they put, Shem Kodem. What was your name before you changed your name? <laughs> right? So what did they do? Sephardim changed their name twice. No, Rabotai, you have to understand, this is something Yaakov understands. If there's any wiggle room, right, what are they going to do? He'll change it. He'll change the... That idea of trying to find the cold, hard facts. Your children come and they're fighting with you. He did this, they did that. First try and figure out what happened. What are the avneh hamakom? Your wife is fighting you about, with you about something. What's the avneh? What do I really know here? What's objective? What's objectively true? When a person does that, then suddenly the deepest problems that, that we have actually are much easier to be able to navigate in a true and clear way. And that's what it means when it says, Your life will be guided by the thoughts that you think. Make sure they are your own. Baruch Amen ve'amen.